Erasmus. Welcome to another episode of The Weekly Wrap, a podcast in which we tell you about some of the top news and articles featured in the latest edition of Farmers Weekly magazine. We also take a look at some of the trending topics for the week from our online and social media platforms. Today we take a look at the 3 and 10 July combined issue in which we focus specifically on those investment decisions that have paid off well for farmers in both the livestock and crop sectors. However, before I discuss some of the articles from this latest issue of the magazine, I want to talk about some other changes we have made. Regular readers will certainly notice that this magazine, the 3 and 10 July issue, no longer has the flat, perfect bound spine. Instead, the magazine has been bound using the saddle stitch method. This change, we realize, is not convenient for those readers who collect the magazine to use as a reference guide. However, those of you who have been reading Farmer's Week, for many years will remember that the magazine used to be bound in this way and it has only been for the last 10 years or so that Perfect Bound was used. While we, like our readers, will miss our neat red spine, this is one of the changes to the magazine necessitated by the recent economic downturn caused in part by the coronavirus disease pandemic, which, along with other factors, led to the closure of many magazines. These magazine closures have had a ripple effect on economies of scale with entire print magazine value chain. However, the good news is that from the next issue, that's the issue with the 17 July cover date, we will revert back to publishing a magazine every week. And also, by switching to this new binding method, it will make it possible for us to reduce some of the costs which will help keep the cover price of Farmers Weekly at its current rate, thus ensuring that all our readers can still have access at an affordable price to our trusted weekly agricultural news and information. With that said, let's now look at the two main feature articles in the 3 and 10 July issue. Have you ever wondered where the farmers suffered buyer's remorse? after buying a ram or a bull for a record price at auction, we asked a few farmers whether their record purchases paid off. General consensus was positive, with breeders saying that the genetic material introduced by these record-setting animals helped to significantly enhance their studs, and also the sale of these animals' offspring and semen have earned the farmers additional income. Okert Werner, who made history in 2011 when he bought a Boran bull for 1 million rand at the National Boran Auction in Paris, and this was from Stephen Johnson of Frontier Boran in Fort Beaufort in the Eastern Cape, says that at the time when he bought the bull, uh, which became known as Mr. Million after the sale, competition for the bull was high because the Boran breed was started in South Africa through embryos flushed in Kenya that were implanted in South African cows. Breeders were all desperately looking for new exceptional genetics and relatively little of Mr. Million's genetics was available in South Africa up until then, according to Werner. Mr. Million to date still holds the record for the highest price paid for a Baran bull, with the second highest price being 900,000 rand. Werner says in the article that he was more than satisfied with his purchase. Um, the purchase, he said, of remarkable bulls should never be underestimated as it immediately improves a herd by about 50%. He says he experienced this firsthand with Mr. Million and besides this, according to Vanna, 
Sales of semen and offspring, with plenty of Mr. Millions offspring growing for a hundred thousand rand, paid for the investment in only a couple of years. The issue's other main feature: investigate which five fresh produce products achieved the greatest producer price and sales volume increases over the past five years. The article also looks at the five new niche crops that have performed best on fresh produce markets over this period. According to Jakub Westays and the CEO of the RSA Group, the five products that have experienced the greatest increase in price on fresh produce markets were ginger, followed by red peppers, Blueberries, cauliflower, and lettuce. Westhausen says that besides the trends speaking to demand, another development to take cognizance of is the integration of technology and how it has allowed farmers to farm more efficiently and with less exposure to changing seasons. Most of the produce that has increased in price and demand can be seen as seasonal, but as Westhausen says, thanks to changes in farming operations, producers are able to provide produce. Year round, this increases demand for a particular product significantly because as more product is available, more consumers are including them regularly in their diets. So instead of just buying this product from time to time when the product is available, they can now buy it at any time. Wisteisen also says that the growth in these categories can be attributed to change in consumer behavior and a bigger emphasis on personal well-being and healthy eating. While price increases in Mass-produced commodities may make big impacts on markets. Niche products sold in smaller volumes are a good indicator of where consumer interests are heading. According to Candace Kluter, who is the horticultural specialist at the Bureau for Food and Agricultural Policy, dragon fruit, custard apples, peanuts, stir-fry vegetables, and red cabbage. Were the highest performing niche produce sold on local fresh produce markets. Westhausen notes in the article that lines of produce that have been branded are seeing some of the biggest increases in consumption and price, which indicates that fresh produce branding is gaining momentum. And this, coupled with marketing, is playing a bigger role in increasing value. In the news section of the three and ten July issue. Readers get an update on the 2020 canola production season. Farmers are anxiously waiting to see whether canola production will return to normal following the past three years of drought in major production regions such as the Swartland and the Southern Cape region. Chris Blankenberg, the Grain is a chairperson of the Canola Specialist Committee says farmers in both these regions were able to plant under favorable conditions in April. However, since then, germination problems have occurred due to significant rain in the six weeks after planting. The situation can be salvaged, according to Blankenberg, if favorable climatic conditions are experienced during the rest of the season. Access to new canola varieties with higher yields May also help to make up for some of the impact of the poor germination. Blankenburg is quoted in the article as saying that the new varieties are definitely better than the old ones. On his farm, the five-year production average was now about 0.2 percent higher than his ten-year average, in spite of the past few years of drought. One of the most popular news articles on the website this week looks at the impact the possible closure of the Edcon Group will have on local cotton producers. According to Henny Brewer, CEO of Cotton South Africa, 
the closure of clothing retail stores like Edkers and Jet could cause major disruptions for the local sustainable cotton cluster. The cluster, uh, which is made up of cotton farmers, ginners, spinners, fabric producers, manufacturers and retailers, was established in 2014. According to Brevar, about 40 to 50 commercial and small-scale cotton farmers also form part of the cluster, and Jet and Edkers um, which are both part of the Edcon group, are two of four major retailers that support the cluster. Brevard says that Edcon's commitment to cotton lint produced by South African cotton farmers had increased from an initial demand of about 600 tons of cotton lint to 2,500 tons over the past three years. He's quoted in the article saying that if the Econ Group does not find buyers and therefore has to be closed, the cluster will suffer great damage. But Bruvash said Cotton is a was hopeful that Econ would be bought out. And he said the association would work with the new owner to promote local cotton procurement. He added that Cotton SA was also in talks with other retailers, including the Fushini Group which we're now looking to source cotton from local value chains. That is it for this week. Thank you for listening in on this episode of the Weekly Wrap. Listen again next week when I will be discussing some more of the features from the 3 and 10 July issue and also give you a preview of what readers can look forward to in the 17 July issue. In the meantime, remember to follow us on social media for all the latest farming news and updates. We are on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly SA. Stay safe, stay warm, and happy farming until next week.